Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here. It's such a joy to be back with you here on this episode. In this episode, I want to talk about something that I've brought up before. I did a year and a half ago, probably. I talked about this topic, but it's one of the greatest things that's ever helped me in my spiritual life, my personal life, and my church life. It's been a real blessing to be able to implement some of the principles that I've learned. And I learned this. We, I was in a counseling class uh, my first year I was there. Oh, I guess that's been 12, 12 years ago now, 13 years ago when I started that. It was foreign to me. I, I had never even heard of it. But I want to talk to you about boundaries. And like I said, I've done this before, but I think we need to re, I believe every year in our lives, we need to re revisit this and rethink about this. And sometimes even on a weekly basis or a daily basis, we need to think about, spend some time thinking about the boundaries in our life. We know that there's personal boundaries. We know that there's boundaries, uh, you know, within myself that I've agreed uh, on things like my time. We know that there are boundaries uh, in relationships, in our marriages, and then also there's boundaries in our workplace, our place of worship and other things. But one of the things I want to, I want to bring up is anytime there's, there's, there's strife, anytime uh, there's contention, we know uh, that especially if it's if it's habitual, especially if it continues on and on, there's normally a lack of boundaries. And really, whether that be in your personal relationship or your work relationships, you really need to get to the bottom of settling on some boundaries and some things. And I want to use the scripture today as I start. And one of the stories that I think uh, to me uh, is is so interesting in scripture. It's it's, it's in the uh, in the Genesis chapter thirty one. In Genesis chapter thirty one. And I'm going to start reading about uh, 43. Let's start in Genesis 31, 43. And we're talking about Jacob and Laban. And if you remember the story up, the precursor of this, this, that's coming up upon this uh, story where they have this agreement. Another word for a boundary is agreement or a covenant. Uh, we, we need to have these covenants in our lives. If we're going to keep from uh, hurting people or being hurt, anytime you continually be hurt, there's a lack of boundaries or a lack of respect for boundaries. You can't control people, but you can, can come to an agreement with people. And Laban and Jacob, we all know the story that, that Jacob had tried to serve his father-in-law. He, he wanted a wife. He went to a far country. As a matter of fact, uh, some of his uh, mother's family. And he, and he shows up, and he has a deal. He meets, he meets Rachel at the well, and he wants to marry her. And he goes to his father, and his father says, okay, you can marry her, but you're going to serve for seven years for her. Well, then he serves for seven years, and then his father gives him Leah. And he says, now, wait a minute. And it's kind of a bizarre story because he, like, wakes up and says, hey, wait, this is Leah. I mean, I don't know. I'd say they had a pretty wild party, if you will, uh, to, to be able him not to know which, which girl that he was given. But anyway, so he, he says, hey, you've given me Leah. I wanted Rachel. And basically Laban says to him, hey, look. This is our custom that we give uh, the, our other daughter first, our, 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 our youngest first, so we give her. And whenever he did that, he, he, it, was, it was trickery, if you will. So he says, no, but I wanted your other daughter. And he said, okay, so I'll give her to you, but now you work for me another seven years. So he begins, so the, the deceiver, Jacob means deceiver. He had went to a man and actually been deceived. And that's what happens when we try to deceive. We'll end up getting the, the, the trick, same trick played on us. But the deceiver got deceived by his father-in-law. So finally, he's there. He's helping his father-in-law. He's working with him. He's working with his flocks. He's given great trust over him, and God begins to prosper him. But in the midst of all that, finally, 
Jacob says, look, I'm going back to my homeland. Uh, he had to deal with some things at home with Esau, with his brother. But before that, when he leaves, he basically sneaks away with his family. And finally, Laban catches up to him. And that's where we come to it. Genesis chapter 31, verse 43. And it says, and Laban answered and said unto Jacob, these daughters are my daughters. These children are my children. These cattle are my cattle. And all that thou seest is mine. What can I do this day unto these, my daughters, or unto these children, which they have born? In other words, I can't harm these people. He said, I've come all this way to tell you I'm upset you left. I'm mad at you. I'm mad at my family. I can't believe you did this to me. I can't believe you left me. And basically, as as Jacob snuck away, it really wasn't right. He should have went to the man of God, and he should have said to him, though though he was, he was still his father-in-law, you know, we can't pick our family. And he should have went to him and talked to him and said, look, hey, I'm about to leave. Um, you know, there's there's some reasons why, but I'm about to leave. But he didn't. He didn't want to deal with him. He didn't know what could happen. He didn't know if he'd be tricked. He didn't know if he'd be harmed. But he gets to this point and they decide, you know, he chased him way out into the desert, if you will. And he says, look, what can I do to these children? These, these are these are these are my grandkids. This, these are my daughters. And by the way, you're my family. So so let, what can I do to them? And then he says in verse 44, he says, now there cometh thou. Let us make a covenant. And I and thou, let it be a witness between me and thee. So he says, let, let's have this covenant. He said, you know, so I don't harm them and you don't harm me. I'm sure that Laban had his own insecurities and own worthy worries, you know. Is he going to come take more of my flock? Is he going to come take more of my family? Is he going to try to harm me? Is he going to build an army? And come against me. I mean, he's so mad he left and didn't even tell me. He took my my daughters and he took my grandchildren with him. And he says, you know, let's make a covenant. And you see, that's where the two men finally start getting their relationship straight. It took years and years for them to come to this. But finally, after roughly 20 years, they finally say, look, let's make this agreement. And it says in verse 45, and Jacob took a stone and set it up for a pillar. And Jacob said unto his brother, gather stones. They took stones and made a heap and they did eat there upon the heap. So one of the first things you need to understand, if you want to have this, this may have still been separation, not saying that they needed to live in the same land, but they were family and we're family in the family of God. We're family in our marriages. We're family with our children. We need to seek to find covenants that protect both people and protect both interests. So they set this heap up and they said, look, this is a covenant that we've made and we're going to agree that is it a witness, the Bible says in 48, between me and thee this day, therefore was the name of it called Gilead. And it was also called Mizpah for the Lord between me and thee when we are absent one from another. If I shall afflict my daughters or thou shalt take otherwise besides my daughters and no man with this see, God is witness between me and thee. And Laban said to Jacob, Behold this heap, and behold this pillar which I have cast between me and thee. This heap be a witness to this pillar, witness that I will not pass over this heap unto thee, that thou shalt not pass over this heap, this pillar for me to harm. You see, they set up a boundary. They said, Now that we have this heap up, we're going to be sure that I'm not going to harm you. And see, that's what boundaries do it protects people from harm, it protects people from hurt. Uh, you know, there's many families, we didn't operate in boundaries real well in my family, I must admit, whenever I was being raised in my family of origin. And I became a Christian later in life. So I tried to teach my children boundaries. We had some boundary rules, but many families, they have no rules. Basically, you just go on your own. There's freedom to do whatever you want. And when you do something wrong, I'm going to yell and scream at you and make you feel better. I'm going to whip you. Those aren't good boundaries. Those aren't agreements. One of the 
the first things you need to understand is, you know, it's going to be hard to sit down with the three-year-old and say, hey, let's have this boundary. But your three-year-old is going to learn if it tries to walk out in the street, it's probably going to get a whipping. It's probably going to get set in the corner. It's probably going to that. They're going to learn the boundary of your yard. There needs to be an agreement or else that child can be harmed. But when your kids get to be to where they can communicate, where they're in school, you can start communicating boundaries them boundaries that say, you know what? You can't watch TV till your homework done. You know, but, but, but you can't just impose boundaries. And the older a kid gets, the more you have to be creative in these with your children because they get smarter and, and you have to grow up. Your boundaries and agreements with them have to grow with your relationship. You know, I don't have the same, uh, you know, my children, they're all out of the house now. You know, my youngest got married here about a year ago and, you know, I can't go to them and say, Hey, you know, uh, clean your room. You know, no, because we're in separate dwellings now. If she wants to clean her room, she can clean her room. If she doesn't want to, she doesn't have to. The point is I have different boundaries with them, but I do want to have boundaries with them that says, hey, you know what? If you're going to make a major life change, I'd like to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it from someone else. I mean, those are bound, those are agreements we've come because they love me. They respect me and I respect them and I want to be able to sow into them. I want to be able to help them. But one of the first things I want to talk about boundaries is, is it's hard work. It was hard work for Laban to chase Jacob all the way down and not, you know, just hit him upside the head, if you will. It took hard work and it took humility. You know, we need to have humility. You know, the Bible says that we're to, in Ephesians 4, 3, it says we're to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. It's an endeavoring. It's a working. We have to work at this. I've seen people that they don't want chaos, but they don't want to work to try to keep from chaos. They don't want chaos, but yet they want to just keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And they're always going to have chaos. They're going to, people live in chaos because they won't do the work it takes. And to me, it's easier to do some work on the front end. We need to move ourselves from a way of being reactive to being proactive. And when we're reacting all the time to something happening, we're really not doing due diligence. We're not endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. We need to do the work it takes on the front end so we don't have pain on the back end, if you will. So we have to, we have to do this work of boundaries, these, these rules, this, you know, uh, when you go to most jobs, you know, you have certain boundaries. You need to be here by eight o'clock. You need to be here by nine o'clock. You need to do this. If you have a job that you don't have any of those, you ought to thank God, but there still are to be some boundaries. You know, you can't come to work and sit on your cell phone all day long. You got to do some work. Some people, I know places, they have to leave your cell phone in the car. And those are good boundaries. But but I've seen, you know, I've went to workplace and done things. Working out boundaries after you go to work, that's fine. But but it's ignorance. And it's not doing your due diligence if you just say, oh, well, there's just no boundaries. And I'm just going to see what happens. You know, I'll tell you, tell you what I've learned about people is many times they don't really want boundaries because they don't want any accountability. But the truth is we need accountability in our life. It helps us. And if we want to be emotionally stable, emotionally whole, I mean, unless you work for someone that you just know so well that is your, you know, maybe maybe they've raised you all your life and you just know every, you know, the, the way their system is, the way their your family functions, you can just function that way at work. Most of us don't work that way, but we, but we work with people that maybe we didn't know or meet later till later in life. And the longer more we know people, the more we know how they how they how they think and how they act. But the truth is we need to get to know people and know know what they want from us what they desire from us 
And, and, you know, we need to get to know our kids as, as they grow up. They may change boundaries and, and they may be able to go from a place to get to the edge of the street. Now they get to be able to drive a car. There's different boundaries for different ages. But the point is, it takes hard work. And, and you can't just assume. I used to say this about my grandpa when I worked with him. I said, he thanks for to just read his mind. I knew him pretty well. He raised me for part of my life. But I mean, I, we'd go to work and he was a different man at work. I mean, he, he turned into this different guy. He was an intense guy. He was an aggressive guy at home. He was easy going, whatever. It doesn't matter. Never got excited. We went to work and I was a different person. I had to learn him all over again. But I used to say, you want us to read your mind because he would just wait. We would have to ask the questions. He wouldn't instruct us a lot. He would only instruct us when we'd done wrong. And I'd always say, but you know what I learned after a while? I learned to be able to read his mind a little bit, but we came to a place of agreements. We eventually, as I matured in the job that I was doing in the oil field, working on a rig in the oil fields of Kansas, I had to learn to ask for certain things that I wanted. I had to learn to come to agreements for how much vacation I could have. I, I came at a time I come to an agreement about my wages. And I didn't have to, but if he wanted me to work there, he was going to have to work with me on these agreements. And I became an asset to him and to where he wanted to work on some things with me. And I wasn't even a Christian then, but there were some things I said, I cannot go past this point. This is where I'm at. And so we uh, boundaries, agreements, covenants, they're all the same thing. They must be agreed upon. You know, a three-year-old, you're not going to be able to probably rationalize with, but your teenager, you ought to be able to sit down and say, look, do you agree that you want my help? Do you want me to help provide food? Do you want me to help provide your clothes? Do you want me to help provide your car? Whatever it is. Sure. Okay. In doing so then, as a teenager, I would suggest to them that you meet me on these covenants, on these boundaries, just like when Laban went to Jacob and said, look, we need to talk about this. You know, I don't want to keep hurting you. I've heard teens say, all they do is correct me. All they do is correct me. Well, they probably do, but if, if you want to do the work, if you are a teen, you need to want to do the work. But if you're the parent, you need to talk them into setting these boundaries. One of the ways I did it with my kids, I said, do you want money? They said, sure. You know, I mean, it was pretty simple. Well, I was giving them money anyway. So I said, hey, you know, why don't you start? Let's come to some agreement so I can give you more money and you can have the freedom. Because that was one of the things they wanted. Dad, every time I need money, I got to ask you for it. And sometimes you say yes, sometimes you say no. Well, we ought to be working towards getting boundaries with our teens to where they get an allotted amount of money for the work that they do, if you will, or for getting good grades or whatever the things are. My kids knew that if they got uh, A's and B's, I think it was a hundred bucks they got if they got A's and B's. That was one of the things they got. That was a good boundary agreed upon. And they worked towards us. Some of them did, some of them didn't. But the point is I had a certain amount I paid for A's, a certain amount I paid for B's, and then F's, of course, deducted a certain amount. We had boundaries and agreements, but these were agreements. I was giving them money anyway, but I use it as an opportunity to be able to set boundaries with them, trying to teach them about how to navigate through life and jobs that they would have. And and all of them, as far as I know right now, are working today. I mean, they've, they've come to agreements with employees. They've understand the concept of working and getting money for the work that they do. But my point is, is it takes work and you must have agreements and, and, and it takes sometimes, hey, what do you want? What do I want? We got to work towards this, you know, and by the way, not only does it take hard work, you know, they, they, you got to get them to agree. I see people do this all the time. You know, they, I see parents, they say, okay, and I've been guilty of this before, but they walk in, they'll say, okay, here's what we're going to do. You do this. Well, that's not a boundary. That's a rule. 
See, you're not going to be effective in, in your ministry. You're not going to be effective in your job realm if you just come in and lay it down the law. You lay down the law all the time. And by the way, I'm not going to always work with someone that wants to lay down the law because you're always right. You don't hear my side. You need to be able to set up, I call them safe places with my, and I'm talking about teens here a lot, but I'm talking about in the workforce too. There ought to be a safe place that we can talk and discuss about things without people taking things personal. I told a family the other day, I said, you need to have family meetings in a safe place. I wish I would have done this more. I did this at times. We had family meetings, but sometimes they, you know, we, we'd have them on a Monday night or a Tuesday night. We'd have them here every few weeks and the kids couldn't stand them, but we did talk. We did engage on things and they got to tell me things they didn't like. And I wish I would have done it more often. But the point is, I know families, they never have them. They don't meet. They don't talk. And then they don't know why things don't get better. This family was at odds about some things, not major things, not horrid things, but things that need to be dealt with and talked about and boundaries that need to be agreed upon. And in the workforce, I hope that you have a time with your boss or whoever you work with that you have a time. I like lunch. I like dinner. I like to take people out and eat and talk about things. And I like to set the precedent and say, hey, we're going to have some difficult conversations. And if people don't want to have those difficult conversations with you, they may not understand boundaries. Not that they're, you know, I like to thank, give most people the benefit of the doubt. They just don't understand. So you got to kind of cast this vision, this idea, hey, I got some things that I want. I want to talk about. I want to discuss and for us to move forward and for me to mature in this role, whatever it is, whether it be, it doesn't matter what it is, even in, a, in a, if you're in school and you have a teacher and you're having a hard time making the grades, younger people and college age alike have that opportunity to talk to their professor, talk to their teacher, whatever it is, and say, let's have these hard conversations because if we want to grow, we need to have them. And I know people that absolutely disagree. They don't want to do it. Well, let me tell you what, those relationships don't last long with me. You're not going, I'm an adult, you know, I'm young, I know, I'm 45 years old right now, but getting ready to be 46, but we're going to have some conversation about setting these boundaries in place because we, what, what are we trying to do? When I was in the secular workforce, I was trying to make money and trying to make them money. So I found common ground. One of the first things we need to do with boundaries is find common ground with people. If it's your spouse, find common ground. What are we trying to do? Trying to raise a healthy family. What are we trying to do? Trying to keep the electric on. What are we trying to do? We're trying to keep the tires on the car. We have to come to an agreement of common ground. And so Jacob and Laban come to this agreement. They said, look, we have common ground here. We don't want harm to come to the family. I don't want harm to come to me. And by the way, I believe with all my heart, we know that Jacob loved Laban. He loved it. He didn't know how to deal with them. He didn't know how to set boundaries, but this was great growth. And some people would say, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. Jacob and Laban, look, they set up a tower and they're going to cross this and they're going to cross here. Well, they had to put the past behind them. They had to make an agreement that, look, to move forward, we're going to have an agreement. We're not going to harm each other. And then that's one of the greatest common grounds for boundaries there is. Look, I don't want to hurt you. You don't want to hurt me. We're Christian people. And if you don't work with a Christian person, I'm sorry, but you still, you'll find the benefit of boundaries. Boundaries work. I've heard people say, well, they're not saved. There's nothing you can do. That's not, that's simply not true. Boundaries work for people that are saved and unsaved. Boundaries protect people. It doesn't, if I'm driving down the road and my car spins out of control and I hit the guardrail and it bounces me back in the road, it don't really matter if I'm driving a Lamborghini. It don't really matter if I'm driving a Pinto. It doesn't matter. It protects me. Boundaries protect people. It'll protect you. And I want to encourage you. One of the things with boundary is boundaries need support. 
I've seen time and time again, I've had meetings with men or with women and, and with families and, and we talk about boundaries and they get all excited and they think, really, you think this will help me? And then they go out and they'll come back a week later and they'll say, well, that didn't work. I'll say, well, why didn't it work? Well, you know, I told them we need to do this. And I said, well, first thing is you told them what you needed to do. You didn't appeal to them to get them to agree to boundaries. You have to, you have to win them over with this idea, this concept. That's why I love people reading boundaries, the book. I like them to be able to talk about that, but it's more than just reading a book or hearing from me, but it needs support. So I said, I'm their support for you. Talk to me about it. Let's, let's see how we can approach this again. Maybe we did this wrong. Maybe we can bring your, your, your wife in to talk to her. Maybe we can bring your husband in to talk to him. Maybe we can bring your kids in to talk to them, but I'm here for your support. You see, that's where the local church comes in is so important is we're support for people and boundaries. We're not, we're not just here to be able to, they come in and hear a sermon every week and, and pray with them and say, praise the Lord and give them a high five and walk out the door. We're here support. And so this support that it takes for these boundaries is important. When we deal with people that have dysfunction in their lives, when we deal with people that are in turmoil, that are in addiction, that are in abuse, I mean, these things are heavy. And for us to think they can read a book or we just tell them about boundaries or they listen to a 20-minute podcast and they're all good, that's insanity. It takes support. But we have to be able to support them that say, look, I'm here for you. I often tell people it's like they're hanging off a cliff by the end of the rope and their spouse has a hold of the rope and they're pretty insecure. I say, so I'm going to throw you another rope and someone else will throw you another rope. Your Sunday school teacher can throw you another rope. Someone in the, that you pray with maybe an altar, maybe some of your friends, they can throw you another rope. You talk to those people about these boundaries and next thing you know, you're going to realize that it's not just your spouse that has a hold of it. Because many times it's that spouse that they're having conflict with. Maybe it's that person at work they're having conflict with. And all of a sudden you'll see that all those ropes are tied off to one big old oak tree called God. But God uses to support people, to help people, and to be able to teach people and walk people through it. But the truth is we can't help anyone if we don't find a way to implement boundaries in our lives. I'm going to tell you this, one of the greatest things that happened with Jacob and Laban, Jacob had to put this behind him because he was going to confront his brother Esau. And his brother Esau was going to be mad, but he wanted to see him. After all these years, he wanted to see him. He wanted to repair some things. If you want to repair some things in your relationships, in your families, you've got to get the first problem that you're dealing with. You need to get resolution with that. And I'm not saying you need to go on vacation with them, but you need to come up with some agreements. If you want to move where God wants you to move, which is, was exactly what I believe that Jacob knew that God needed him to do because he had to deal with his own brother, not just his father-in-law. And if he wasn't careful, if he kept this, he was going to be facing the problem that his brother had with him from the, from his brother and, you know, him stealing his birthright, if you will, and him doing the things that he did. He was going to have to face his brother. He would have had his brother conflict in front of him. He would have had his father-in-law conflict behind him and he would have been torn in the middle. And I'm telling you, it would have destroyed him. But he finally began to be a healthier man, a more grown-up man, and said, look, I want these boundaries. And Laban agreed to him. And then he went forward. As you know, the story went forward. He was able to face Esau. And then Esau hugged him and loved on him. But yet again, they had to set new boundaries because the relationship had changed. They had to have boundaries between them. So, friends, I hope this has been good to you. I hope this has been a blessing to you. I hope it challenges you to have agreements. You know what? Don't, don't, there's no sense in hurting one another. There's no sense in, you know, continuing down the same crazy cycle. Take some time. Do the work on the front end it takes, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. This work in our families, this work in our jobs, this work with our spouses and with our children, it is worth the work. 
But we have to come to these agreements and these boundaries. And I promise you this, God will bless you for doing this. When, when, when God first set us in the garden, he made boundaries. He said, don't eat of the tree of good and of evil. Don't eat of the tree. He said, there's one tree. He set a boundary with us. Adam, of course, you know the story in Eve. They took of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And when they did, he set another boundary and said, you got to get out of the garden. He said, now I'm going to set boundaries between man, between woman, between him, between Satan, and between you. And he put a boundary on the people. He did it to protect them. He did it because he loved us. But God continually sets boundaries. Boundaries are God's way of dealing with humankind. And he sets boundaries thus. He said, choose you this day, Joshua said. Choose you blessing or choose you cursing. Boundaries are a biblical principle that we need to live by. Friends, I hope this has been good to you. Until next time, God bless. And I pray that you would share this with your friends, with your family. And also, don't forget, message me any topics that you'd like for me to discuss. God bless.